welcome to another episode of The Trapeze. This week we will touch base on the second record. Uh, we, we talked last time about the Land EP and this time I've got some stuff I want to know about the second record, Secret Origin. So, how soon after you put Land together did uh, Secret Origin start uh, kind of ruminating and, and being written? No idea. I was, I was going to say, like, I'm pretty sure, did we not have Air already sort of in the works by about the time Land came out? I think so, because I think we gave Keith a pre-release version of Air um, that played on one of your um, your shows, actually, Keith. Oh, back, in, back in my radio days. Uh, that does sound vaguely familiar, but my brain is basically a wheel of Swiss cheese, so I can't honestly 100% recall it, but I, I do remember playing some Thick Line on, on my old radio shows. That's okay. My brain is like a bottle of absinthe. But yeah, I have no idea. Does anyone else potentially have an idea? <laughs> Uh, Land and Air were written roughly the same time. It Air just wasn't completed properly as yet, so it missed the Land sort of cutoff, and it was quite different stylistically because of how it was constructed. It was a bit more thought out and a bit more planned out, whereas the previous tracks had been sort of thrown together in chaos, whereas we had more time to, to stew on our parts and stuff with Air that I can remember. So it just felt different to the other ones. So it didn't feel right to put it on with the rest of the tracks. Okay, that, that's absolutely fair. And there's no reason why it shouldn't be just continuing that creative flow. The, the pressure cooker situation had kind of cultivated time. So that's all good. Uh, now, the, the artwork is remarkably different in that it kind of, well, not kind of, it absolutely looks like a comic book. And I'm curious as to know whether the, the concept of the artwork or the title of the album kind of came first. Chicken or egg situation. Oh, well, it yeah, came from right. a cheese, cheeseburger bird, <laughs> as we touched on last week. <laughs> that was land, bro. It's got nothing to do with this one. Oh, it's a secret. Oh, shit. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Every second of that in. <laughs> oh, Josh. Whoops. Um, so I'm pretty sure the, the, the name um, the name's an interesting one because it was originally called, the EP was called Logistics originally for a reason we can describe now or later, but it was eventually changed to Secret Origin and Benson, I think, is the man who uh, knows the answer to that because he drew the artwork. Yep, I certainly did. It's what came first. I don't know, it sort of ties in together. I think like if you call something Secret Origin, then it has to kind of be comic book art. And if you're going to do a first issue of a comic, then usually that's what's called as a Secret Origin. So it kind of, I don't know what came first in my head. But yeah, logistics just like, I was just like, nah, that's not going to fly with me at all. I mean, it was fun to joke around for a while, but like to actually call it logistics, honestly, I was like just waiting for the day when somebody would be like, yeah, what's the real title? But uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. So I was like, and what yeah. artwork would coincide with logistics? You know what I mean? That'd be a tricky yeah. one. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'd have to draw that. And I was just like, fuck that. I can't be fucked. Like thinking about stuff that wouldn't just basically, you know, the, like once you conceptualize something, then it would just basically draw itself, so to speak. So that was what the main idea draws. was. I reckon it draws itself fine, man. Try it, <laughs> baby. <laughs> How hard could it be? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not the difficulty. It's just having to look at the picture afterwards for forever. <laughs> it's just that. It's just like, yeah, we could do it. Sure. I mean, we've all seen Mr. Squiggle. You can draw anything with a yo-yo, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's either a whale with a yo-yo that used to be upside down or it's a dump, tr you know, a, a dump truck with a yo-yo. 
It's always yeah, like so something stupid. But it's possible. Like we but, can, we can. It was just a dumb idea. It's like I can choose to leave my pants up when I go to the toilet, but that's just really bad. Yeah, you could drive a car with your feet, you know, if you want to, but that don't make it a nice thing to happen. Yeah, it's just that I don't know what came first. I guess it's just sort of a symbiotic. I guess if you think of one, then the other has to come afterwards. Yeah. So I guess you know, I try to make it as easy for myself. But like comics, you know, we already had some of the artwork kind of done, like the three figures in the front of it. Yeah, so that's really important, actually. We should probably touch on that before we get into the second album, really, like proper, which is like why there's only three people on the front of that artwork instead of five. And I think yep, that's I was a thinking nice, the same. Little, nice little way to go into that by using the cover <laughs> to begin with. So, yeah, originally there was five drawings, and there is a drawing that exists. Of like the us in the yeah that kind of you know Japanese high school uniform you know obviously stylized this r- rip from um this Japanese movie called Crow Zero and it's yeah it's a school where the mafia the kids are like you know, Japanese mafia the yakuza they go there to like basically run the school and like you know have their gang be the toughest out of all the gangs sort of practice before they get out to the real world etc. I thought that was a really funny concept like. Japanese extreme concept of everything, like Battle Royale, for example, another really cool Japanese movie that probably work its way into our material at some point. But that's what it was. So it's like that exists. And there's five of us in that poster. None on the album. There's only three, or on the second EP, or whatever. And yeah, there's some dramas that went along to why that album exists the way it does, the way it looks, the way it does, and not just because. I couldn't be asked with the title of logistics. <laughs> okay, and, and you're willing to divulge a little bit more of the drama for me? Because now I'm more curious than I already was. The, the timeline is that after doing a bunch of shows and having a lot of, like, say, milestones that we wanted to sort of achieve and have uh, the accolades sort of back us up as well, we sort of imploded when I wrote in my journal that I feared that this would happen, and it did. It was kind of just like um, what I'd probably best describe as going along for the Titanic, even though you know better. But that's the thing. See, people with experience, like more experience, say Cam or me or Aldi, you know, even Adam to some extent, we'll stick around as long as we can, even though we know it's going to not eventually work out. Some part of us knows this deep inside already, even probably from the first meeting. I certainly did. That's why I wrote about it. Well, that being said, um, like, I don't think it's ever really been mentioned the second time, but we essentially split up. Mm-hmm. Like, couple of months in like mm, we that's true we were just coming up to the, like the second round of the, the melbourne breast thing the only reason we really got back into the room is because we we're like oh, fuck it we got a gig let's try and you know let's see how it goes and you know we kind of all pretty fucking uncomfortable session was in um box hill actually and um there was actually the same session we wound up writing emerald oh shit box hill yeah, yeah we did a rehearsal at lighting labs in uh in box hill and um I remember that yeah and Remember after we all sort of sat around and decided, you know what, fuck it, let's let's actually give it a crack again. We're sitting around and working through that outro to Emerald, and that's when the the lyric, you know, you can't change, but you can try, came in. One of my favourites. I remember us all sitting around a table outside, like in the foyer. Yeah, um, punch and Dari. Yes, that probably too. But um, I think we're all talking about those lyrics, or like they were written, or we'll try another thing on or something. Yeah, your memories are better than I. God damn. I don't know why I remember that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good um, snapshot. I'm just trying to um, zero in on um, why did we split up that time for that one, like for that short bit before we managed to get our asses into gear and go for that second round. Because you're right, we did, we did split up between rounds. I think know, the writing uh, just kind of stopped and like we had one or two pracks back to back that kind of just were like going through the motions with no kind of fire. 
if I recall. There was also, I vaguely remember, Josh, you went back home for Christmas, New Year's, that sort of era as well. Like yeah. right after those couple of tense things, I think that might have had something to do with it as well. Okay. I don't quite remember. I remember it happening, but I don't really remember why. I'm always back and forthing from moving back to Sydney or moving back to Melbourne. It's kind of been my life for 15 years. <laughs> and when you say something about the writing, I remember feeling something like, yeah, that when you mention it. Just, um, just a, just a vibe of stagnation for a little bit. But all it took yeah. was Emerald once we decided to do it again to kind of inspire them to yeah. a little bit. So touching a little bit more, you've got three members on the front of it, and I've got it in front of me. So we've got Aldi, Josh, and Benson in both the square kind of CD cover version and alternate versions in the comic book-shaped version. So if there, there was this kind of tumultuous situation where you've parted ways, what was it that defined why those three people in particular ended up on the artwork? It was really That's exactly why. It's by elimination. I mean, I'm not going to draw ghosts. How do you draw ghosts? Casper, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I needed to draw the people who, who were there, who was going to get plans to continue after that. But let me let me continue with the timeline as I recall it. So like we, we played those shows, we got together to play that second round. We won. Yeah, it was really nice. Like I said, it was one of those accolades. Um, yeah, and then we all, all suddenly felt like probably rejuvenated, I guess, to give it one more serious go but by then the, I think the summer some cracks were already beginning to show or at least form and um, it led to like personal I don't know like not really conflicts but more like it's like what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object the only resolution is surrender you can't I one, feel like, one can't beat over I that I feel like back so, then as well man sorry to cut in I feel like we had a lot less communication going on as a, as a individually and as a whole like if anything well, was wrong and then it all kind of built up especially with cam like yeah. yeah we should have probably you know like like we realize now like afterwards we should have probably talked to him a little bit more leading up to it but well that's what i'm trying yeah. to get to uh, i was sorry leading up to that point. <laughs> no that's fine see because now nobody has any idea what he's talking about what about cam oh. you know yeah. do you get what i'm saying yeah it's like we should have talked to him about what josh what context josh well, how should we talk to him, no. Josh? <laughs> Nothing. You, fucking, you gun jump and fuck. <laughs> no, it was just, just the vibe, though. Even with, like, Cam uh, obviously left first. No, like, I got it. No, but no, even no, between no, no. us, and even no. me and you lived together, so we had a bit of communication, but I felt like there was a breakdown of communication just from each other individually. Like, uh, what even members that like, still sticking around. From my perspective, this is the, probably the only honest one I could include, you know, talk from is that it started moving to like personal like arguments and like differences in approaches and behavior and that obviously builds up because like you said of lack of communication it didn't manifest itself in the best ways there's probably evidence in some of the videos you can see the you know during our rehearsals and things like that or discussion of ideas and things like that or recording or whatever but ultimately a slight bit yeah, of tension. yeah that slight bit of tension obviously escalated and that led to like um me personally for whatever reason you know i'll probably i can list a million right now but you know i don't have time to go through that and i don't waste anyone else's time yeah it just came just to like a conflict of personality like with me and cameron and i sort of like looked for reasons like now in hindsight i can look back but at the time i had no idea i was doing this i thought i was doing the right thing by the band and the music and all those bullshit high horse ideas which ultimately don't count for nothing it's like i started talking about like 
all right, well, how are we supposed to make music together if we, if we can't even get along on some sort of level? I was trying to force things that should not have been forced. I was trying to see things that really weren't there. And that led me to push Ben's opinions, especially like Josh's, you know. And, you know, like to like say, maybe we should like kick him out. I'm not going to credit anything. That's what I'll say. Because that's what, I, that's what yeah. we did eventually. And like it wasn't coming from a place of malice or anything like that. It was more like... My, like my main concern is always time. I don't have enough. No one has enough. So I'm like, I feel like I'm wasting my time. And in turn, it's like, why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? And instead of actually trying to solve that problem of why are we doing this, I zeroed into the one thing where I had like some maybe minuscule conflicts before and I blew that up in my own heart and then like, uh, I guess, aggressively pushed for it to happen in which it did, which culminated in a really like a horrible experience for everybody in the place I was living at where we were all gathered and then we all went through like, yeah, it was terrible looking back on it. And um, yeah, as as soon as it finished, I I immediately regretted it. But then I chose to not face that and I lied to myself instead for, you know, for the better part of seven years. So that's as honest as I can be about that moment. So yeah, three people left. That was Cam. And then eventually- Can we get Cam's thoughts on the entire situation? Yeah, that's yeah, what look, I was going to ask. I would absolutely say that, like, I won't fucking sugarcoat it. I was, you know, seven years ago at that point in my life, I was a complete fucking mess. And I can't imagine that I was any fucking real fun to be around at that point in time. I was making a lot of terrible decisions on my personal life and dealing with stuff that, without going too far into it, like, I had come out of a pretty toxic situation and thinking that that was all I needed to do, right? You know, you free yourself from a situation and you're like, sweet, I'm better now. But you're mm-hmm. not. You're still damaged yeah. at that point. But you're just too focused on the fact that, holy shit, I have this entire world in front of me. I can do whatever the fuck I want and my actions have no consequence. And that's how I was behaving. And then suddenly, and look, I worked it out a little bit too fucking late. And, uh, you know, and it did come down a lot to communication. You know, essentially the decision had been made. Um, yeah. So we were doing those last couple of shows. It was uh, after the corner, when we performed the showdown at the corner. I remember having a chat to Adam. And I think it was really the first time anyone asked me why I was doing the things I was doing how I was actually feeling. But I understand that. Like, you know, we're five dudes going a mile a minute and, and doing bigger and better things that we thought we were ever going to achieve at that point in the life cycle of what we were doing. And we know. were still nearly all 20, like in our 20s. Yeah. Like, you know what I, I mean? Was, like, that's, Yeah, that's it. We're all stubborn. Learning. We're all stubborn in that respect. You know? And so you learn to communicate better as you get older. It's just how it is. We talk about okay. shit. If you're following that same tra- like train of thought with like Cam kind of imploding, there was probably a few times that I should have been kicked out of the band, man. Because I think I, I actually brought drinking. that up on the night. Yeah, my drinking on stage and my great. lack of fucking. I was not doing great. I was. That's why I can completely feel what you were feeling, man. And didn't exactly feel too good when that day happened at Benson's place because I kind of felt like I should be there too. Can I just paint a picture of a memory I've got? Sorry, Josh, for two seconds to just give yeah. other people an insight. Before I paint the picture, what was the name of that gig where we played and they named us as like a birth child of incubus and something else? It was DVA. DVA. So I always remember that place in Space Station. Sorry. We're, we're, <laughs> it's all right. We're playing this gig. It's like five minutes before we were about to go on live and no one has heard from Josh or has any idea where the fuck he is. And all of a sudden, some dude <laughs> runs into the venue with his shirt off and a fucking skateboard under his arm. Five minutes before we to start. It's fucking ridiculous. It was very funny after <laughs> that. It was yeah. very funny afterwards, but just like we're about to play the show and our singer isn't here, we don't even know if he's coming. Yeah. Repeat that across every rehearsal prior to them yeah. as well. Like that, that was what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> of course, so of course, we my, my, my logical explanation was to stack me. 
To be completely honest, and like Benson and I in particular have spoken about this, like when we spoke for the first time after all this shit went down, and we've all spoken about it now. Like you all felt that sort of regret about what happened in getting rid of me. But the fact of the matter was, if you guys had turned around and said, "Hey, we want you back," I would have jumped at it, man. Like I absolutely would have jumped at it. But I also sit here now and go, "It would have been the worst fucking thing for me, personally, not musically, because I would have loved it." But it would have just allowed me to continue going, huh, they sacked me, but now they need me back. My actions have no consequence. And I would have just continued doing the exact same yeah. thing I was doing. Wouldn't have helped me, you know? That's a very good point. And besides, I spent yeah, a damn, long fucking this- time being super angry. And then I realized that, what's the fucking point? It's, it's very yeah, hard to yeah. be, you know, I'd still listen to the, you know, Secret Origin and Land. Probably a couple, it was you know, a juvenile decision, man. It yeah, but it was like, you know, three, three or four times a year I'd put it on. I was like, how can I fucking keep being angry if I still enjoy what this is? You know what I mean? If, if I still enjoy what we created. I'm not, I'm yeah. obviously not that angry. There's obviously this ability that I'll have to, you know, I can get past this because fuck it. There are, there are records I've worked on with people that I absolutely will not ever listen to again because fuck them. Wouldn't gotcha. ever work with them again. Wouldn't ever listen to their shit again. But, you know, I'll put the stuff on that we did because clearly there was something there. We still love you, Cam. Still love you. <laughs> better. I'm honestly having flashbacks right now since Aldi brought up that fucking lovely story. Good on you. I'm, not, I'm like fucking numb flashbacks. I remember oh, the... I think I was with Kim and, yeah, my phone died. Didn't have anyone's numbers. or I, I can't remember what exactly happened. She was driving me. Oh, no, I had to catch a fucking... Oh, I don't even remember now. God damn it. And I left the Cimmerillion. I don't know if you gave it to me... Benson, you might have, or I, I picked it up from somewhere. Josh, I, left it on I the- will never give you any copies of any of my books, son. Are you serious? <laughs> never. Well, yeah, I, I don't know where I, I got a copy of The Silmarillion by Tolkien, and um, I was rushing and free. I was reading it on the train up, and yeah, dude, it's all coming back to me now. And then, yeah, catching the tram. I had to catch two trams from Flinders Street to get to fucking deviate. And yeah, on the sec the first tram when I got off, I left the Silmarillion sitting there and I just sprinted off like a fucking jackrabbit. Because like, yeah, the time was ticking. But I was like, once I was 10 minutes away, I was like, I'll get there. It'll be five minutes and I'll be all good. I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's a really scary moment for me. But I'm, I'm we played a decent gig, if I recall. Yeah, it was all right. I remember opening with the, I, I remember opening with arguably the heaviest, angriest version of bystander we've ever performed. <laughs> Can imagine. <laughs> Fuck you, Josh version. <laughs> no, that's that's much love. But um, I know we haven't got much time, so do we want to quickly dip into that uh, Adam left, departure? Yeah. Oh? yeah, go with that Adam. Tell take us through that. Because there's a couple of times where you felt that way, if I'm not mistaken. Uh yeah. It's been a, a constant sort of thing that I've ebbed and flowed from. In um, bands, have been in jobs, friendships, relationships. I just I get bogged down by you know trying to figure everything out before anything happens. You know, I question abilities. I remember one of the things that we spoke about with Cam at the time was questioning his commitment. I guess I think it was, or perhaps like his chops. That was a big thing for me at the time, I remember, because of my opinion on my playing and stuff, which I'm still working on now, you know, like seven years later. Yeah, and it would, uh, my opinion on my abilities would impact how I perceived how people spoke to me. And uh, in particular with you, Benson, I was always sure that there was something else behind the words you were saying. And, I think that's you know, just Benson, though. He's always got some underlying thing that he's not exactly saying. No, not always. 
Not always. Not always. But um, yeah, my paranoia, basically, my paranoia got the best of me and I convinced myself uh, that the situation would be all better if I left. So I did. I went to Benson's place after work one night, messaging him like coming over and I said that the we had, I think, two gigs lined up between yeah. when I made the decision. I think it was two gigs and um, that was it. I, and I was talking about immovable objects, you know, uh, my mind had been made up. Well, yeah. Was that at, that, at that point of those last two gigs, is that when we had Jesse in? Yep. I can't remember now. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't remember how many gigs we did play with Jesse, but between me making the decision that, yeah, that's it, I'm, I'm done with this, I think there was two more gigs that we had to play. Yeah. Shout out to Jesse McGrath as well. He played with Quarter Drive for a while. He's, he's a, he was an absolute legend for, for doing what he did for us. But in saying that, it, yeah, and it wasn't his fault at all. He was a phenomenal musician. He had a, a mad back catalogue of really cool tunes. He smashed it with Quarter Drive. He played drums and bass for us in particular songs. But, yeah, it was just uh, we missed Cam in, like, the corniest of ways. It was not the same. And, no, in yeah, every like way. It wasn't yeah. just, like, personally for me, like, just to clarify when Adam was talking about, like, Cam's chops, when I, when those discussions were coming from me, it wasn't about his actual ability. What I was pointing out is, and I'd like to really focus on this point here, is that what I was worried about or having concerns about was that his preference over, um, say, energy and performance over precision and playability. Yep. That was the thing. It wasn't that he couldn't play. Of course he could play. It's not a question of whether he can or not. That's evident from the first day. It has to do with like what he wanted to focus on. That and in saying that, that's only from my perception because that first show post camp, it was like right in front of my face. I couldn't get away from it anymore. I couldn't keep lying to myself anymore. That what we let go of was not just his personality, which was essential to the band's uh, makeup to begin with, but his energy. There's a vacuum left, a void. No pun intended, but there's one there. And it's clearly felt. And it's like you said, it's not Jesse's fault. It's not camp. And no matter how hard we tried, we kept telling ourselves that it will work out. Mm, it never did. And, you know, yeah. So and I guess that was the same case with Adam too, from rehearsal to performance down to recording Audie. That might have been, uh, that, that would have taken a huge reconfiguration of how we're going to present ourselves and who's going to play what. And that's why Audie switched to playing guitar for something like, we were just all over the shop because we're trying to salvage I guess what would happen, we're just hanging on to the Titanic while it's going down. That permeated into everything. And to tie it back to the first question, that's why there's only three people there. And there's an absence. How many times can you redraw the same three people or the same symbols for the three people over and over again when you used to be five? Clearly, it's evident uh, in the artwork, it it's evident in the music, you know. We still had flushes of creativity and stuff in that time, but it just, it, yeah, there was three compared to five did not, like, even if some other, like, other, the other people didn't always put in exactly for each of those songs, like, a little bit extra, just not having them in the room was just completely fucking, yeah. Exactly. Input at that devastating. point. Is, it's almost irrelevant at that point. Because you, you, you're actually like trying to push creativity Well, there's a constant black hole in the room. There's a vacuum, you know. And always, always, every time we try to think about any part, whether it was bass or guitar, they'd always be their ghosts. Yeah, that's what the, that yeah, was legit that's what feeling. I, yeah, and that's what it sounds like that. It sounds 
I mean, it's nothing to do with Audi's production skills. It has to do with the way we all played those oh, instruments. Shit. You know, <laughs> no, but it's you can hear it in the takes. You can hear it in the music, like in the way the vocals are sung. Even we we were sad pandas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sad. I was just in denial, and that because yeah. yeah, it's in denial of everything. Denial of sadness. Even I was just like push, push, push. You know. That's why eventually at the end of that whole thing, I even left. At the end, yeah. I put it on the band's Facebook because I was just asking myself, like, I remember why? that message I'm fucking vividly, bastard. Totally wasting my time. That was one of the reasons why. And then Josh and Aldi were like, we have to finish this. And then after that, like, Aldi decided he'd leave. <laughs> it's just this, like, cascade, this dominoes. I was the last one left. He left the <laughs> yeah. young kid on his own. And look what happened to me. He nearly stopped playing music. Fucking fallout. But nah, it's made us who we are now, and we might have changed things if we could. But I, I like to say, just it is what it is now. Things are only closer that way to you, fuckers. To. I feel closer to you, boys, even though I'm a state away now. But I actually personally feel closer to you, cunts, now more than I did towards the end of Secret Origin. So yeah, things happen for a reason. With all of this drama going on with everything it would have made the whole recording of the ep fairly difficult as well uh Older, can you walk me through how you uh, got that going and and where where you felt like the the weaknesses and strengths like so it was it was like a revolving door so the start of it was pretty normal like a band experience because we were still all together and no one had left um and i think we recorded um, going to go with probably four songs with the, with the lineup as it was at the time. I think they were Before the Night, Air, Emerald, and it, I was, I was no, going to say Hours because it is kind of true, but Adam was on Hours and Cam wasn't on Hours. Yeah. Um, Cam was on most of Gods and Thieves, but there was a part that was never done and then we had to fill in for you because you'd gone. It was like a bit, and then the outro, I think, as well. It was like a bit, so mm. it was like had these half done or fully done tracks and then somehow I had to try and splice it together with parts that were there or re-record parts or literally play an entire bass track for a song because you weren't there anymore. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. The one thing that was really positive though and I enjoyed most in that experience was the vocals. To be honest, it was really fun for me to get the performances out of Josh and Benson. More so Josh, and that's not saying Benson performed that. It was just Josh was this like fall of anxiety about being able to actually perform. And I think hearing back, um, I hope he's proud of what he did because it made me feel good to see him do that. So there's, yeah. there's one section in hours uh, that I was so scared about doing. It's the bit towards the outro that's kind of faded into the background of the the tunes. I was really impressed with myself on that one, man. And one of one of the notes in Emeralds where I went fucking Super Saiyan for a second. Uh, I think having you and Benson telling me I could do it really made me think I'm, I might be able to do this. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> dude, you're so fucking cute. Shut up. <laughs> I know. That could. There's a lot more like free form moments as well, like acoustic guitar parts for songs that we hadn't ever planned on being in there, like Emerald. There's an acoustic guitar in that that Benson just picked up one day, and it sounded incredible. So. Oh, that's, I love that bit. There's even like the intermission tracks. Like one was a song I sort of I wrote and it was, wasn't even a song. It was just like a riff about my granddad when he died. And we put that in as one of the songs and has a few things to it. And then Benson lying on his back on a couch in a room I was in at the time picked up like a friggin' 20-year-old piece of shit acoustic guitar out of tune 
and played the melody lines to surrender <laughs> at the back of the room while the microphone's up on the other side of the room and somehow that sounded okay. And we put that in there as the other submission track. So there's just a lot of really cool moments in there as well. Well, your granddad one, I remember we just, we sang a mantra, like a few word mantra and just repeated it over and over yep. yeah. until the end. That's and a beautiful that was, piece of music, Chris. I really like that piece of music. Yeah. I will ask that the vocals be pushed up a little bit. But <laughs> I think it was more an, it was definitely an ambient kind of vibe because it was a, a interlude track. But I always, was a selfish vocalist. I always wonder what the go with that one is, like what it was, because like listening back and not being a part of the band, like at the time, hearing, spoiler alert, hearing Surrender, like I was like, okay, cool, that makes sense. But yeah, I never knew the, the context of what that other piece was. So that's really interesting. I just fell in love with it when Aldi showed me that kind of arpeggiated progression and... The, I think it had like electronic drums on it and shit. Yeah, it did. And it had a weird trappy kind of sweet vibe. And yeah, I just uh, wrote like two lines and just repeated that throughout the whole thing. And then Aldi like panned it differently or like would put it a little heavier in some sections, but mainly back it off a lot. And it just had this quite fittingly, sorry to say, rest in peace to your grandpa, but uh, like a ghostly kind of feel to it. So I do understand that actually now. I think it's quite beautiful. It sits really nicely. I think everything sits really nicely where it's supposed to be. You do just think from like a new vocalist standpoint when you want the vocals pushed up a bit, but it's yeah, meant to all like, right, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's it's meant to it's meant to accentuate <laughs> the other instruments, and it's like if, if you want to make the vocals sound bigger without having the words clearly heard or pushing you forward, you just add like another channel and just have like the wet signal of the verb going. You know, that will usually yeah. fill out the space and it makes it sound full but still distant. You know. The other thing that's worth talking about on the on the EP was um, the pr- step up in production too. So the first one was always like land was always meant to be just a demo, so it didn't really focus much time on it. We spent a lot more time on um, you know, doing the normal production things like double track guitars and triple track and vocals. Sure, Benson and Josh loved doing that. Um, that was fun. Just, just I did actually. You would, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I- because I can't um, be consistent, you fucks. You did pretty good, man. <laughs> you did pretty, pretty good. good. Not bad. Um, but, 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 so the step up I, I felt was significant. I mean, hopefully we're going to release some new stuff soon as well, and I think there's going to be another step up again. But, yeah, it's good to show that progression. I think it was good for me to, to feel like we released something of a, like a pretty good quality. Yes, I agree. Good job, man. It was a really good job on your end, like wrangling us in, directing us. You know, he really took the reins, like, in the studio. Audi's king in the studio. It's, like, everyone defers to his... I love having the arguments and working around things, especially because the personalities are, like, both similar and different. That has this, like, strange quality. It's almost like a opposite magnetic forces thing, but at the same time, it's still magnetism. Thing about, yeah, it was about Josh, the, the thing I was not concerned about, but I knew he could do it. Like, it's not about ability. It's his own head. It's the same with Adam. It's your own head. It always gets in the way. And that goes back to what I was saying about time. To me, because I feel like I'm the eldest. I'm kind of, like, not over it, but I'm just like, there's so much potential and talent here. Let's go. I get it. Everyone's got their own lovely cup of neuroses to drown themselves with. I'm all for that. But, like, the music will only wait so long. That, that That's my main thing. That's why I made mistakes along the way, like with Cam, you know, Adam, and everyone else but that recording i'm still really proud of all the work that we did 
you know, I'm just curious to hear what it was like for Adam and Cam to hear certain pieces with them not being involved and how it felt like to them, you know. Well, how about we start with how it felt to record? Because you guys were part of at least some of the tracks on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I was kind of not annoyed. It's not that far along the spectrum, but with songs like, uh, particularly The Void, which is an amazing song. It's one of my favorites from our collection of songs. Not being on it, like on the recording, I'm like, I get it. Like the recording's there and the recording is perfect for what it needs to be. But that's my job. You know what I mean? It's like this sort of like, we, we've used the word juvenile a lot uh, in this episode. And it, 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 that's exactly what it was. It's juvenile selfishness, basically. But like that washed away really quickly when I heard the finished product, when uh, Older You brought a copy of the CD around to the apartment I was living in at the time and like listened to it for the first time. I'm like, yeah, it's been fucking raw. Yeah, so all of those sort of immaturities that I held during the recording of it, they sort of washed away. The only sort of thing that I wish I would have been able to do differently would be hours. Really? By the time, yeah, by the time we recorded hours, I was done. And I yeah. dialed in my guitar line so badly. Like, I'm honestly surprised that you guys kept much of what I did for that song. That's, that's the part not- that surprises me because you, uh, we've got video footage and some of the Hello Friends and all the rest of you jamming that shit out. And I, I think you're undercutting yourself a little bit there, man, because I was actually pretty proud of your guitar tone and just the and- playing in general. Yeah, I think what we did when we played that song live, when I was sort of, you know, a bit more on the same card, I think that was a much better take than the recording that I had done. Like, listening back to it, I can hear it, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I gotcha. The, that line that I do over the chorus, that should have soared across, you know what I mean? And, yeah, that's the only sort of take back I have. Like, I just wish my heart was in it more, but I'd sort of written myself out by that stage. Sign of the times, though, as well, bro. Wasn't all you. I remember vividly, even after being sacked, I was still trying to get to play on hours. And, uh, did you, did point, you not? No, no, I never played on hours. Oh. I remember when the EP dropped and you put it out on Bandcamp for pay what you want. And I said, fuck these guys. I played on this. I'm not paying you any money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. Yeah, because I was interested to see what wound up happening on that because it was one of those ones where I was really proud of like what my original baseline was for that. And realistically, what you guys did put on there was very, very similar to what I actually had done. So I was really happy. With it's it. what we thought you did, to be honest, man. I think, yeah, I, no, I, think I played it and I think we, we wanted to do exactly what you did because there was yeah. no issues with the Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You were like, you remember this one take that Cam did and you were like, we're fucking, we didn't have it recorded, but you just tried to remember it. or it might have been a prac even not a take but yeah you were trying yeah. to recreate that and it was pretty spot on if I recall yeah, no, it, like, it was pretty much accurate the only glaring omission that I remembered from listening back to it because it pops up every year on my Facebook there's a video of me screaming bloody murder of the end of Emerald and it didn't make it into the cut it actually is in there Damn. it's just really it's very, very like, it's one of those things where I sit there and go is it there some days you'll listen to it and hear it and you go, oh, is that just because I know that's what I did? Is that, do you say in the end of Emerald or Hour? Yeah, Emerald. 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 The So You Are bit. Yeah. yeah. So ah, it is in there? Ah. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's in there and it's not muted, but um, it's definitely below most things, if not everything else. <laughs> that wasn't malicious. Um, I no. agree, honest, man. I don't even remember mixing that stuff because we must have spent countless hours tweaking oh. and doing stuff, man. So it just and would have got forgotten about. No, no, no. Tweaking is a double entendre. 
<laughs> we're saving it for live. Like we didn't want it on the record because it's like got piano in it and all that kind of stuff. It's like a studio version. Do you know what I'm saying? That, that's like the, the the thing that I had in my head. I actually made that decision to like make it really. And it made sense. Like, like I listen uh, back under to the it vocals. Now. Yeah, I listen back to it like, now with those harmonies working their magic. And I go, it's the right call. Like I the think main, it's absolutely the, main, the right call for a record. The main reason also, well, other than that, is like I needed the space for Adam's guitar because to me. Adam's guitar at the end of Emerald is the best Adam guitar there is. So yeah, I just really wanted that to come out. You know, that solo lead lead part that was that was awesome actually, man. But yeah, think of just, wall, just wall wall listen to that. Just listen to that how it breaks out, oh, like yeah. how it starts and how it ends. It's like I'm like listening to Paganini play violin. That's why I don't. I'm just so like harsh on you, you know, because that exists. That's proof. If that doesn't exist, the fuck do I care? Well, like, I've got no reason to care. But, like, I know that's in there. Same as, like, the Porter's head, like, beeps and cams line for hours. That's why it's never... The higher octave. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I love that's, that that's little... That's electric yeah. shit, you know? I really dig that, like, that middle of, like, hours, that verse and hours has that vibe. It's awesome. It doesn't exist any, in any other song we have, you know? And I really I really like it when that happens. The main Personally. reason... I, I remember writing that part for hours. I was on a big Incubus trip at the time, so I was sort of listening to all, like, the synths and D-Day stuff that they put in the back of the, all that early stuff. But I also knew that I didn't want another... So- like, because Air, in particular, I sit out at the first, like, minute and a half until that first pre-corn. And I was like, I need something to do because, like, knowing that we were going to be playing hours and air live a lot, I'd be sitting in the back corner doing nothing for like half a set. And I was like, I need something to do here that doesn't take away from what you guys were doing on just the normal guitars, man. And like, I, just, I was like, fuck it, something ambient in the background, and it worked. It worked, man. I love that. That's like a little heartbeat. It brings the song up a little bit. It's cool. It would just be an acoustic-ish kind of song without that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which pretty much what it is. It's just an acoustic fucking ballad that we put a little bit of distortion behind. <laughs> so that's the album, Keith. That's the secret origin, oh, I guess. One last thing. <laughs> I- oh, yep. Oh, yeah. Just like land, the only acoustic instrument, as in there was no amplifiers used, there was no drums used. Um, the only acoustic recordings were the vocals. Everything else is amp simulators or... You know, Kit something later again. Uh, we still played the guitars. That's like, don't make it. Sound oh like yeah, it was simply because <laughs> it just didn't use an amp. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And keys. We uh, played keys and percussion instruments. Oh, that's right. You taught me what a farfisa was. I had no idea what a farfisa was. Like, yeah, oh, man, dude. Check this out. A farfisa keyboard is fucking Pink Floyd's go-to man when they play that live. I wanted to just say one thing is like, what is everyone, all five members and Keith's favorite song from the album? I'm going to go last. So everyone else go. Emerald for me. Emerald. Yeah. Same. I mean, I now have an emerald tattoo, so I should probably say that. But I have to say the, <laughs> the, the, one that, the, the one that actually for me, it's hard to say, but like air as well, because I remember fucking hating that while we were writing it. I just couldn't get my head around really? it until, yeah, until we listened. We did a Brunswick hotel show and we had a live recording of it. I listened back to it with Adam and, you know, to finally listen to it while I wasn't focused on playing it, it all clicked. You get lost in what you're doing and I know I was yeah, yeah. to come up with parts for it. So yeah. I was just like, nah, fuck it. I really resented it. And then when I finally actually heard it back, I don't think we have a poppier song. Like there's nothing we have that has a more pop hook than that. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's incredible. Man, sexy. Props to Benson on that hook. Sorry, it's not bad. 
that's pretty good. I think we got more of where that idea is. That's a good idea. That's a good first, like, dipping your toes in that pool, you know, that idea. You know, the mm. essence of, like, how, how we wrote that song, I think there's, we, I just think we, we've got better versions. I always think we've got better versions. I just believe yeah. in you guys too much. That's all. I'm not shitting on anything we've already done. I just always look forward. You know me. Mm. I'm always so, like, so, so all you cucks picked Emerald except fucking Cam. So what about you, Keith? Look, I, I really have a soft spot um, for one particular track. I, I remember that you guys were in a recording studio in Moorabbin or a rehearsal studio in Moorabbin that wasn't jammed in. I think it was on Cochrane's Road for the life of me. Sound. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it was the very first time that I'd ever heard "Gods and Thieves," and oh, that, that stuck nice. with me for a long time. Like from from that that record, I, I think that that song just has that little bit of sentimentality to it because it was the first song that I'd heard like organically in the studio with you guys uh, from start to finish, and I was just yeah in the corner just watching this happen, and yeah, so that that song's always stuck really well with me for th- for that particular record. Our most kind of new metal kind of sound as well. Not Aww. new metal, I hate. But no, it did. It had that, the, the riffage and the vocals, I had an had a essence of that. Gods and Thieves always kicked my ass. That chorus always kicked my <laughs> ass, like massively. But um, my favourite, uh, I will give a, a massive mention. I love Emerald, but I personally feel like the songwriting on that from Benson's part especially was just ridiculous. But I don't feel like I gave it the best vocal take recording Emerald. So, it, yeah, a little bit. But my um, honourable mention to Air... <laughs> Is probably one of my favorites, and then my favorite song on the whole thing is "Before the Night." I listen to that more than anything, man. And I don't That's even sing lead on that. It was pretty much Benson, and then me on the chorus. It was a duet, but like "Before the Night," production-wise, and all the rest, and the weirdness of the strings and all that. That's my favorite song. Huh. It's, it's That's very one. interesting, Joshua. Uh, but it speaks to your folk roots, you know, to your. Yeah. Perky piano over it. Yeah. Love that shit. But yeah. I think like listening to the C D or the MP threes or whatever Spotify is, Emerald's my favourite outside of the band, but the song I'm most proud of, aside from Emerald, is definitely Before the Night. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um yeah. It, it's like if we were you know, if that was to be played, you know, in a big venue, that'd be the song where the light has come out. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Or like, gotcha. you know, gotcha. or it'll be like cell phones. Yeah, like, you know, people would do. And that's yeah. the one song we all sing on. The next oh, time yeah. we play that song, man, I'm playing piano on that entire song. I'm not playing a single note on it. Somebody else will play guitar. Or it's either that or somebody who's playing piano. Like, no, I, I, you know. I've already done, I've done Before the Night busking solo acoustic playing your parts pretty much, Benson, so I could do that. Really? That's sweet. Yeah. That's good. All right, cool. No, no worries. Done deal. Uh, I just wanted to say real quick that my my like song outside the void is that uh, outside the emerald is like the void. That's my personal favorite on the song. Yeah, I, I'm a huge Chris Alderson fangirl. I just love <laughs> a- a- anything <laughs> like anything he drops, like an egg, uh, whatever it is, loose change, a track. I'll pick it up straight away and I'll be like. <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk at length at some point about like what we're working on now, you know, and then we can really like I can I can really gush out and be honest. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same both ways, man. I think it just comes from like it's like a mutual respect thing because we're so so different in our approach. 
Uh, I think it's crazy the amount of detail Benson does, and I just feel like I do this most basic shit and it seems to work. So. <laughs> it's fine. That's, nah. that's what you think, but I can see better than that. So, you know, you, you can say <laughs> all you want. That's fine. You can keep saying that. I, I, I know you think you believe it. That's cool. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to push your buttons. I'm just here to fucking sign no, up and be vice president of your fan club. Your production head lends to your songwriting, Aldi. A lot of us don't have that, like that. Benson has definitely many aspects mm, of it. And not as much. Cam probably has no, yeah, not, went to school for it. Yeah. I was about to say, but, like, all these so good at fucking engineering that everybody forgets that that's where I made it. No shit. That shit. That's how good he is at that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, like, I don't, I don't sit there and go, hey, guys, I can do it because fuck it. He's, this is the man. As a producer, he's like a really good lover. You know, he's firm but tender. You know, he's <laughs> commanding but like strong. Yeah, you can cry on his shoulder or on his chair. It's like it's all good all around, everywhere, all year. He's you know, a gen- even, and, yeah, he even pushes you gently as well. Like, yeah, gently. <laughs> gently. <laughs> gently. Yeah, because he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman, that's why. <laughs> anyway, decline out. Bye, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the end. Um, Mic drop. Well, uh, thank you guys for, for another wonderful and, and really insightful view into some of the, the more more difficult times in between and during the, the recording of that second record. It's been, uh, as the rest of this series has been so far, really fascinating because I, I was there, kind of, but missed a lot of the detail and a lot of the emotional kind of turmoil i guess so thanks again for sharing that guys and and bearing your your souls for the the record to come uh we will join you all next week for another chat but until then have a good one bye guys bye Bye. this has been a loosely in disguise production